Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Megan Kennedy Woodard is a climate coaching psychologist and the co-founder of Climate Psychologists, an organization which designs programs for schools and businesses on how to support climate well-being. She's also the author of the book Turn the Tide on Climate Anxiety, also with a kids' book coming later this year titled You Are Unstoppable. Thank you so much for joining me today, Megan. Now, I wanted to kick off this episode by hearing your definition or kind of in your words, what is eco-anxiety or as you like to call it, climate anxiety? So when we talk about what eco-anxiety is, we kind of like to talk about what it isn't. And it isn't a diagnosable mental health disorder. And everyone that I've worked with agrees that actually it shouldn't be. It's a perfectly normal response to the biggest existential crisis we as humanity have faced. So it's actually, it shouldn't be distinguished as something that's wrong with us or pathologized. It's a normal response. And when we talk about eco-anxiety, we kind of generally all sort of know what that means, but it's important to understand that that's kind of an umbrella term for a lot of different emotions that come into this. There's emotions like eco-grief, anger, apathy, despair, a lot of these emotions come up and they're quite heavy and difficult emotions. But we also know that people experience emotions like motivation and um, connection with others and hopefulness and optimism. And so it's really important to kind of think about, even though we experience these difficult emotions, there's also the other side of it too. And when we access those, that's when we can kind of thrive in the actions that we can take. So it's really important to kind of distinguish that even though it's the chronic fear of existential doom of about the planet, there are also a lot of other emotions that can be helpful for us in that. Okay. So just kind of talking about that kind of umbrella of terms that you threw out there around kind of eco grief as well, what could that present as for somebody who's not really sure if that's kind of how they're feeling? I think it can sometimes be something of like quite an isolating feeling. So someone might be triggered by um, a news story that they read or noticing unseasonable weather or seeing difficult images like wildfires and flooding. And someone can feel quite anxious. They can feel quite depressed. They might have trouble sleeping at night or concentrating on what they're doing and when, or feeling like they kind of are removing themselves from social situations, things like that. That's when we want to step in and support them because they need to be taking more self care, um, connecting with others about this because it shouldn't be something that people feel that they're alone in their struggle with. No, I think that's really interesting because when I was trying to do my research for this episode, I was kind of trying to find out 
all of these statistics about how many people have climate anxiety and all of this stuff. And there was no real answer. And it makes sense now what you've just explained about it kind of being a normal feeling. And it's more of a feeling than an actual condition. Because I think the real statistic that I found or the kind of was that a study in 2018 reported that almost 87% of Australian tweens said climate change was something that they were worried about. So it's more that they're kind of acknowledging that this is something that is of a concern to them. And you're right to point out that this is sort of we're learning as we go along with this kind of study and new studies are coming out and they are demonstrating, you know, for a while there was kind of this question of like, is this a problem of the privilege? But what we're noticing is in a recent study done, I think in 2022 um, by Avas, they were saying that a huge percentage of young people are affected by climate anxiety, but actually it's in regions where they've been directly impacted. And by directly impacted, I mean they've experienced wildfires or cyclones or flooding. And actually climate anxiety really is prevalent in those communities as well. So it's actually those who are directly impacted are impacted by climate anxiety. No, it just, well, it makes complete sense. But you also find that most of the people that are kind of suffering, not su- I don't like using the word suffering, but experiencing climate anxiety are young people or is it kind of across all ages? We know that it can affect anyone of any age, but we know that it's more prevalent in younger groups of people. And it makes sense because they're the ones that are going to be at the face of this. They're going to bear the brunt of climate change and, and everything that they experience. So they're thinking about how it's going to impact their lives in terms of whether or not they have children or what jobs they pursue. So it's really important for us as psychologists to support these people. And we do this through education, not only about what climate change is and what they can do about it, but the emotional impacts as well. No, I think it's really great, all of the work that you've been doing. And I particularly really like your tagline, which is turning climate anxiety to climate action. So what are some of your top tips for coping with these feelings? Well, it was, again, we're sort of learning as we go. So at our early stages, we were saying it's climate anxiety to climate action because it does show that actually, or studies do show that we can relieve some of our anxiety by taking action. However, what we want to do is we want to make sure that that's sustainable action. And by that, I mean sustainable for our mental health and for the planet because there are also studies that correlate high levels of climate anxiety and climate action as almost a buffering tool. And we don't want to be buffering. What we want to do, because that's that's where people start to think, okay, the more action I take, the less I'm going to feel anxious. And what happens there is people burn out, people feel isolated, people feel like the whole climate crisis is on their shoulders to fix as an individual. They feel like they have to be perfect in their climate action. And we want to dispel all those myths. So what we notice is actually what it is, is it's climate anxiety to collective climate action. And by that, I mean, we start to sort of link arms with others. And by that, we reduce feelings of isolation, that we have to be perfect. And then we feel like we're part of a community and it's a bigger, more impactful group taking action. And that's really where we want to sort of guide people. No, that is great. So for people who kind of are feeling alone, how would you recommend that they kind of connect with others and get out there to take this collective action? Um, I think it's about finding your group, finding what you're passionate about, finding what you're good at and what's easy for you. So we kind of have this, this idea of like a Venn diagram of impact, meaning and ease and right sort of in the middle is the sweet spot. And that's where we want to find our place and kind of just stay in that space because these emotions we experience when we think about the climate crisis 
feelings like anger or fear, it's usually helpful to look and sit with those emotions for a minute because they can actually look at, work as a beacon towards our values. This sort of like spotlight on why am I scared? Why am I angry? I might be angry because I care about social justice. And that's the value. And actually, if I think about that, that's where I'm going to have more longevity in the action that I take because being angry is one thing, but feeling like, actually, I care about this because I care about my children or I care about people who are underrepresented in MAPA, most affected people in areas. That's where we sort of draw on a deeper level of commitment to the actions that we want to take. And then you can look at what's easy for me. So for me, it was, well, I'm already a psychologist. I'm already working in this. I can help people process these emotions. And then my impact. Well, rather than just one-on-one in individual coaching, actually I can help educators teach children how to process these emotions. And I can come on podcasts and I can overcome my fear of public speaking to have to reach more people. So then it's like my impact grows. It's coming from the place that I love my kids and I want to protect their future. It's easy for me to do it this way. And this is how I can make it I can reach as many people as possible. So I think it's finding what you're good at and what you like and what's easy, and then just getting really creative on how you expand that outwards. And it is about being brave, I think, as well, and taking those first couple of steps. Because if you are somebody who doesn't love social situations or meeting new people or networking, it is about putting yourself out there and kind of going to those events or meetups often alone in order to connect with people. Actually, it's kind of liberating because you do have to just give up your own ego because it's kind of like, actually, this is more important. This matters more. So, I mean, even today I'm like, oh, I've got this like croaky voice because I'm a bit ill. And, but I was just like, you know what? I just need to get on with it and just do it because it's really important that, you know, you connect with people around the world. And, and also actually, if that's a real struggle for you, that doesn't have to be your thing. Not everybody needs to be the voice of this. If you're great at math, you know, join a local a grassroots program and do their bookkeeping. Or if you're really good at organizing things, but you kind of like to be the wall or in the back, put an event on, you know, there's, there's, everybody's got something to bring to this. And that's the beautiful thing is that we can all find who we are in this. It's just a matter of, yeah, again, it's like putting the ego to the side and just getting the work on. <laughs> No, I think it's really, really great. And I wanted to ask you one other question, Megan. It's around kind of dealing with people who are in your close network who probably aren't feeling the same or as some people would describe it, aren't really as awake to the impacts of climate that's happening around us. And I find that I get a lot of questions from people who kind of say like my family doesn't understand or I can't get my boyfriend to use a reusable coffee cup and I'm finding it really frustrating and I'm getting angry at them for their inaction. What would you recommend people do with those kinds of feelings? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is a great question. Um, and I get it a lot, but it's kind of, I think one of the first things to do is just kind of sit with that emotion a little bit of that, you know, annoyance at the person 
because in the, in the apathy and the, oh, it can feel really frustrating, especially when it's somebody that you love that's close to you. And you just think like, oh, we feel like you're just kind of banging your head against the wall and just kind of sitting with that for a second. And just rather than sort of going deep into that frustration at them, thinking about actually we're part of a wider system. And this wider system is the bigger failure. And we can, I think, absolutely feel free to be angry at that. But in our immediate circles, it's looking again at that impact. How can we affect change? And we know that as humans, we don't like to be told what to do. We don't like to be told what we want to give or we must give up. Actually, it's a lot easier. What I say is like catch more flies with honey by talking about how great it is in the work that you're doing. So, you know, a perfect example is my dad. You know, he's a wonderful guy, but a good old American. Eats meat in every meal, drives a big SUV that's a diesel, you know, kind of. But we started talking about how great our, our electric car was. And suddenly he's got an electric car and loves it. And he's kind of gamified it of how many miles can I get going electric because he's just, he's gotten really into it. And then we talked about how, you know, oh my gosh, our garden is just going crazy because of we compost and we have this great composter. This guy started to compost and suddenly (laughs) invested in Beyond Meat. And, you know, it's like he's become this climate activist and didn't even realize it because we've sort of nudged him in that direction of, oh yeah, it's so great over here. We're loving this. And our school, our kids are really connecting with this and their eco club and blah, blah, blah. One of the most important climate actions we can take is talking about it. Talk about how it makes you feel. Talk about what you're doing about it. And that's a really easy way to nudge people because we can connect with somebody, even if they're on completely polar opposite voting styles, or there's always a point where we can connect with other people, I think. I really love that because I think if you're going to tell somebody and almost shame them or guilt them into everything that they're doing wrong, it will just paralyze them or it'll just send them the complete other way, probably calling you a greenie and kind of telling you to just, I don't know, go away for a bit and then never come back. But I think as well, if you kind of are talking about all of the good things and the easy things and also probably explaining the additional benefits, like you were just saying with the kind of like number of miles with an EV car, it's all of these added benefits that I think you can also bring in other than the actual planet as well. Because so many people, I feel like they're so quick to be I don't know, in their own world or to kind of have read one article one time to kind of say recycling's a sham or I'm just one person, it's not going to fix anything. But rather than kind of trying to debate with them on that opinion that they have so strongly formed, if we can just really kind of yeah, encourage them to make small changes that might not necessarily be for the planet but will help the planet as well. Yeah, Per Espenstonks is a wonderful psychologist and he talks about um, sort of the importance of identity and how people identify. And so, you know, if you attack someone's identity, they're going to get really, they're going to put up walls quickly. And what we want to do is we don't want to necessarily try and change someone's identity, but it's that gradual shift. It's this idea that people don't stop using plastic straws and stop there. That doesn't become sort of the end of, of climate activism. It's sort of a gateway, for example. Anne-Marie Bonneau, who's the zero waste chef, says that. And it's really wonderful because if, once you sort of start on that path, people really enjoy the activism that they do. You know, they start really feeling that identity. And that's where real change happens because it's one person, but it becomes a community and it just spreads and spreads and it's great. 
No, it is all exciting. And it sounds like this idyllic future that you're promoting and creating, which I am very, very excited about. So what are some creative ways for people who really kind of, they go, yes, I need to think of my Venn diagram. I need to think about this. Could you just list a couple of ways that you've seen some of your past students get involved? Sure. So somebody that hates plastic waste, hates it, can't deal with it, goes to the beach, does the litter pick. Just It just drives them crazy. And it's really starting to get into where they don't even feel like they can go to the beach anymore because all they see is plastic. They don't see the water. They don't see the sun, nothing. It's just that focus. So this person also loves to run. Okay. That's easy for them. So the meaning is taking care of, you know, being a guardian of nature. That's the meaning. It's easy for them to run. So they decide actually, instead of me just going along and picking up these little bits of plastic, I'm going to run a half marathon and I'm going to raise money for oceans, you know, which is a nonprofit that cleans up plastic out of the oceans. That's great. That's fantastic. But how can we make that impact bigger? Well, they're getting their friends to donate money to them for them, like to, for them to do this. So they're raising awareness in their friends. Their friends are like, Hey, if you're doing this, I'll, I'll actually do this with you and I'll get my other group to get involved. And the impact spreads. So suddenly going from picking up bits of plastic on the beach, you've got awareness in the community you're raising money and you're doing something that you enjoy with your community. Suddenly that spreads out. So that's just one example of a creative way to think about what am I good at? What matters to me and how can I spread it? And yeah, I think that that's, and, and it's fun. It's enjoyable. It doesn't, there's this myth that climate work has to be really you know heavy and deep and dark. It's like, no, actually it can be great and it can be good for your health and it can be good for you know your community and your relationships. And, and I think that that's nice. That's, that's where we need to start focusing this, idea because it's, it's, that's where people will get involved. And that's where you can get those friends that you're talking about who might not be that into it, but they'll go for a run with you. You know, it's like the selfish way to help the planet. Yeah. Which is fine. It's, it's, humans are kind of naturally a bit selfish anyway. We can lean into that and help everybody. Exactly. And I think it's perfect. We, I run a volunteering program where we have people come in on their weekends, sort through people's, other people's rubbish and that's literally what it is. And people who come go, yes, I love this. It's so much fun. But all of my friends think that I'm absolutely crazy. But all of the people that come absolutely love it because it's sorting things into different boxes. And you can tell they're all probably very type A personalities who love sorting things, love organizing things, love a to-do list and love seeing when something gets done. And I'm going, well, you found what works for you. If people come, they don't love it, then that's fine. Just go and find something else that you do love and then you can come back another time or yeah, find a different organization. That's great. And they're doing it in a group and they're doing it together and it's like a social, I think that's fantastic. I love that. No, it is very fun. And we all just have a chat and kind of, yeah, connect with one another. And very few people bring a plus one. Most people come alone, which I love because I think it's just a great way to connect with people that are also feeling the same way and feel passionate about the planet and the environment. So my final question for you, Megan, is what is one actionable thing that our audience can do tomorrow to help save our planet? Ooh, <laughs> I think again, I'm, I'm going to go back to the ease, impact and meaning. Just think about what you care about and the easiest action you can take is talking about climate change and talking about how it makes you feel. And from that point, that's where we start to get ideas and start to get creative and linking up with others. That's where that action starts to really happen. Because for one thing, we're 
committing to other people that we're going to take this action. And yeah, just find what you love and go for it. I'd say that's really the message of, of just enjoy the work that you're doing in climate action. No, I think it is great. Be brave, sign up for that session, go meet people, go network, throw the ego aside and help the planet. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on today. It has been so amazing chatting with you and I'll put links in the show notes so that everybody can find out more about all of your work. Mm-hmm.